people for his own, to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Church, that's who we are in Christ Jesus. We belong to the Lord.
to an exiled people, an exiled Israel. And he tells them stuff like, make a home here, like make a life here. Don't listen to the lies. Don't listen to the deception. 
And here's where this next part that we all know. He says, for I know the plans I have for you. And they're good ones. Plans to give you a hope, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a future. And we have to know that God has good plans for us because everything around us is so not good. And I want you to encourage yourself this morning as we sing this new song. The Lord is my share and he is everything I need. So I will not worry and I will not fear the enemy. He said that he loves me. Said that he's with me, even though I walk through the valley of shadow and death, and still I know that he has good plans. He has good plans for me. So I will take heart in deserts and gardens, because he has good
Let's lift up our voice. Give praise to the Lord. His goodness is coming after us. We give thanks to you, God. Give thanks to the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord because he is good. And his love endures, but not just for a little bit. His love endures forever. Forever and ever and ever, what we will know to always be true is that God is a good God. He is a loving God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes when I come into worship, I have this thought of like, how, how do I get my heart to worship and say all these awesome things when I've had to witness all these terrible things the last five days? Like, how does the child of God continue to worship, continue to pray when the days are getting darker? And sometimes you may feel that dissonance, but what I found to be true is this. Our hearts need to sing these songs more than ever right now. Our hearts need to pray these prayers more than ever right now. This is what the children of God do when the days get darker, we sing louder. When, when the days get darker, we pray even more. And that's the kind of week it's been for us. I mean, every time I pulled up my phone, there was just more things that I had to see, that I had to witness, more um, you know, updates about what's going on in Israel and in Gaza. And so I was just praying to the Lord, what do you want said today, God? And I feel the Lord wants us to pray. And I believe he wants us to pray in agreement. So I'm asking you, don't just listen to a prayer that I'm about to pray. Would you agree with me? Would you enter into agreement? You can say it verbally. You can say amen as I pray through things. You can say, yes, let it be so, Lord. That is what amen means. That is why we say it at the end of a prayer. That's our way of entering into agreement. And so I'm going to be the person with the microphone, but I hope I'm not the only person praying. I'm asking that you would join in prayer with me because prayer matters. When we say we're gonna pray about something, that's not like, oh, I guess we can't physically, we're not gonna go over there, we're not gonna do anything ourselves individually, so therefore we'll pray. That is not prayer. Prayer is our first response because prayer matters. We believe this with all our hearts, so I'm going to lean into that, and I'm gonna ask you to lean in with me as we agree together, as we pray over the conflict that's happening across the world. Let's pray. Father, you are here and you are near. You are not far off. You're not too far that your arm can't reach down to help us, to save us. And we've seen it time and time again in our lives how you can turn things around. And so God, we are coming before you with the authority that's given to us in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. It's in his name that we are praying what we're praying right now. God, there is the shedding of innocent blood happening in our days. And we are asking in the name of Jesus that that would come to an end. We know it grieves your heart and God, we're entering into agreement with that. With that, we say it grieves our heart. This ought not be so. And so for all those who have lost loved ones, God, we pray the comfort of the Holy Spirit enter households right now. That the comfort of the Spirit would, would um, be near to those who are brokenhearted. There are all these plans that families are now changing, things that are changing every single day for people in that area. And there is grief, and so, Lord, we enter into that grief with our brothers, with our sisters, with people who are created in your image. And so, God, we ask that the shedding of innocent blood would end, and also we ask for resolution when uh, I don't pretend for one second to know what that is, God. 
but your ways are higher and you have wisdom that comes from above. So here's what I'm praying, God. Would you send wisdom that comes directly from you and that they would land upon leaders in the area and that somehow, some way, through your power, there would be a resolution led by you, God. And we're asking for the miraculous. God, I ask that you would use this to draw people to yourself that you would be glorified, that there would be visions, dreams, whatever you want to do, God, miracles throughout the land so that after this, we would be able to say, look at what God did. Look how he rose up in power. And so, God, we put our trust in no man. We put our trust in you. It's in you, God. So we declare that our faith is in you and in you alone. Would you end this conflict? Would you bring resolution? We ask this in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, come on, say amen, church. Amen. We agree together. This is what we do as a people of God. We pray together. And we continue doing this. This is why we gather every single Wednesday. I hope you can come join us. We, join, we meet at 7.30 in the morning at noon every single Wednesday. And we will keep praying. We will keep singing. And as we continue in worship now, we're going to turn our attention to the giving of our tithes and offerings. All this we do because we are acknowledging God for who he is. And we want to give him everything that's in us. So as we continue in worship... Let's lean in. Lean into the name that we just prayed this in. The name that's above every other name. There's only one name. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, let's worship his name together. Let's sing. that Jesus is Lord. So we celebrate that even in the midst of trial this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, family. It's good to be with you guys this morning. I'm excited to get to dive into the word today. But before we do, let's not take for granted that we get to come together and fellowship with our brothers and sisters. Just take a quick moment, greet one another to the left of you, to the right of you, and we'll continue in worship.
morning, New Life North. It's so good to see you. My name is Callie. Welcome to church this morning. Hey, my name is Briggs. If you're new here and you're wondering what ministries New Life Church offers, you can scan the QR code or click the link below. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, tell us where you're watching from. We'd love to say hello. Yes, now grab your Bible, grab a notebook, grab a pen. It's time to lean in for a powerful message. All right, good morning, everybody. How are you? So good to see you. I uh, came down with the, I, I think it was like the, uh, the, the worst cold I've ever had last Saturday night. So I can tell you, this is kind of a funny story. Thursday night, I'm here. We have a volunteer gala, and I'm talking. And after I get through talking, this guy walks up to me and goes, hey, are you kind of struggling for breath here? Your throat doesn't sound good. I said, no, I feel great, 100%. I feel awesome. And the next morning I woke up and I was like, okay, that guy is a prophet. I need to find him. <laughs> so here, here's, here's what's gonna happen this morning. I may sneeze, cough, uh, lose my breath. I, all kinds of things are about to happen here, but I really couldn't, I don't wanna miss another Sunday. I wanna preach this message because I think it's a timely message. And in fact, I don't, I don't always think that the devil's into all the details, but I do think there has been a spiritual battle against this message for me to bring it. So I woke up this morning and I said, if I pass out in a cold fever in front of the church, I'm still, that's why I didn't come down and bless you with my presence during worship. I'm gonna kind of keep my distance. I prayed over all the front seats here. <laughs> Anointing of the Lord, you're not gonna catch anything. And we got blue, blue rays here killing all the germs. So anyway, I just really uh, want to be with you today. I feel like uh, this, this is a time in the world's history where the church needs to gather. And I want you to make these, uh, these gatherings a priority. The Bible says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves. And it says, especially when you see the day approaching. And I feel like we're in that season of time where uh, all of creation is groaning right now. All of creation is moaning and groaning, eager for the return of Jesus. And we're living in these, these times. And I, I, so we've been in the book of 1 Kings, but for the next few weeks, I'm gonna pivot. And I believe the Lord's given me a series of messages to prepare our church to pray and do spiritual battle. And I'm gonna start with the, a, a message this morning that I'm calling resisting the Roaring Lion, it's a message out of 1 Peter chapter five. I want you to turn there with me today to 1 Peter chapter five, if you brought your Bible. We're also gonna be in the book of Matthew a few times this morning. And I wanna remind you before I get into the message that a month from today, the first Sunday in December, will be a very special Sunday here at New Life Church. It's a legacy offering. It's going to happen in both of the morning services. Uh, you know this story, I've told it to you uh, nonstop, you know, 16 years ago, we were $26 million in debt, and really we're, we're under the bondage, the yoke of bondage, quite honestly, of that debt, $155,000 a month mortgage payments. We'll do that to a church. <laughs> That's what that was in, uh, 16 years ago. 
As of today, we're down to about $2 million of debt here at the North property. And I'm so grateful for that. But I have, uh, the elders and I have felt really a command of the Lord to put, put this before you. Uh, and I'm asking you to pray. And I, I really am asking something pretty bold. I'm asking for 100% participation. And in other words, here's what I'm saying. I believe all of us can do something. And so on that Sunday morning, I'm gonna have, there'll be big buckets down the front. Pam and I are already praying. Uh, Pam always has a bigger number than me. And so it's always, we always go with her number because she's more generous. But it's, a, it's fun for us. And if you've never done this as a married couple, or maybe you're single, unmarried today, doesn't matter, but uh, pray and just do what the Lord asks you to do. But that's going to happen on Sunday, December 3rd, and I declare in Jesus' name that we're going to be debt-free, and let me tell you why. I want our church to be at full strength to do the work that God's called us to do. And I think we're living in a time where our church needs to be full strength. All of our giving and all of our capacity, all of our generosity needs to be pointed toward the dark places of our planet not to a bank, and I love our bankers, all the bankers in the house, I love you, God bless you, I hope you flourish and thrive, I hope you have the best year you've ever had. I just don't wanna be a customer much longer. I, I wanna deposit money there, I just don't wanna borrow money there, okay? And so I, I want our church to be at full strength, and that's the reason I'm so passionate about getting us out of this debt. Are you in First Peter chapter five? All right, go to the red letters, take a right. There you'll see First Peter chapter five. First Peter, obviously written by the apostle Peter, one of the most infamous of all the followers of Jesus. He walked with Jesus for three plus years. He was, he was there when Jesus healed the sick. He was there when Jesus was crucified. He's the one that pulled the sword and struck uh, you know, one of the guard's ears and Jesus had to heal Malchus right there in the garden. He's also one of the most vocal of all of the disciples. He, he had a problem with his words. He, he, he had a tendency to speak before he thought. Anybody in the room with that tendency? You know, no filter, no Holy Spirit filter. He just said whatever came to his mind. So when he starts talking in 1 Peter chapter five, he's a much older man now. Thank God for age and experience, right? I mean, age and experience doesn't always equal wisdom. You can be an old fool or a young fool, but for whatever reason, Peter has become seasoned and wise in his words. And he's learned some valuable lessons. And he uses this illustration of 1 Peter chapter five. We're gonna read about nine verses. Is that okay with you guys? He says, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's sufferings and one who will also share and the glory to be revealed. So I want you to notice that even in 1 Peter, this is what, 20, 30 years after Jesus had died and been resurrected, he was already anticipating the return of Jesus. So for 2,000 years, every church, every group of believers has had an anticipation that Christ will return. And our creed, when we recite the Nicene Creed, we recite that passage, Christ will come again. Come on, say it with me. In glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. That's what we believe as a church. And if you're excited about that, say amen. Amen? I'm hopeful for that. Then he begins to give us very specific instructions and listen to what he says about the congregation. This is it's almost like Peter was sitting here today talking to New Life Church. He says, be shepherds 
of God's flock that is under your care. He's talking to leaders of the church. He's talking to elders. He's talking to pastors and leaders of the church. He says, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money. Now listen, you know, there's about a hundred sins he could have pointed out there. He could have said all kinds of things there, but this is, again, 2,000 years ago, it was a problem. It's still a problem today, right? What's motivating us to do what we're doing? He said, listen, make sure that the motivations of your heart, the reason you do what you do, is pure, innocent, humble, godly. Call me old school, but I still think that's important for the church that we maintain our holiness, our innocence, our purity, that we do the right thing for the right reason. Somebody say amen. amen. Now did that, we're not always gonna get it right, and listen, the church is in constant need of reformation. Do you know why? The church will always be in constant need of reformation because it's led by sinful people. Imperfect people, right, including myself. So I'm always asking the Lord, reform me. Conform me. He says, not because you must, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. In other words, waking up every day saying, Father in heaven, I don't know what you're gonna ask me to do today, but the answer is yes. That's what it means to be eager to serve. He says, not lording it over those entrusted to you. In other words, not being difficult, not being manipulative, don't be domineering in the what you say and how you say it. He says, but be examples to the flock. Now, I'm gonna stop there just for a moment. This is such a rich passage of scripture, by the way. And I've read this passage of scripture to myself hundreds of times in the last 16 years. So just a moment ago, I said to you, Pam and I are already praying about what we're going to give. You know why I said that? Because of this passage. I will never ask you to serve if Pam and I are not serving. I would never ask you to give sacrificially if Pam and I are not gonna give sacrificially. I would never ask you to go on a global trip or whatever if we're not doing it. Because one of the things we're required to do as pastors is be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, and by the way, it's not if, but when the chief shepherd appears. Now, when, when Peter says this, to the church that reads this letter, there would have been a chill come in the air, like goosebumps. When the chief shepherd appears, he's talking about judgment day here. He's talking about giving an account for your life here. He says, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. He says, young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. And all of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God, listen to this, God opposes the proud. You know, this is really one of the only times in the Bible where it says God is in opposition to a group of people. That God himself stretches out his arms. The, the, the language here is God stretching out his arms and resisting you. You know, like when somebody gets up in your personal space or gets a little close to you, you kind of have to put your arms like nudge them away. Like your dog starts licking your face, say get away, get away. This is God, this is the image of God saying no, pushing you away. And who does, he do, who, who does he do this to? People who are proud. And he says, clothe yourselves with humility. God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand 
that he may lift you up in due time. Verse 7 is very important for us today. After we've scrolled through our phones this morning, seeing nothing but bad news probably, being very careful, I've been like Pastor Eddie, I've been very careful this week about how much I've absorbed into my soul. Because there is a limit, by the way. And we're not designed as human beings to absorb so much bad news all day long. It's traumatizing. So there was a lot of times this, this week, I just had, I know, I know I need to know, and I'm not ignoring what's happening in Gaza. I'm not ignoring what's happening in Israel and even in the Ukraine and all over the world. There's places all over the world that are in trauma right now. But for the sake of my own soul, because I'm a human being, I had to like stop it and say, I need to not do that. I need to go outside and get some sun on my face. I need to go for a walk. I need to do something else to restore the humanity. And he says, humble yourselves, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Now this is really good news for those of you wrestling with anxiety. He just gave you one of the most beautiful promises ever written in the Bible. You know what he just said to you? He said, listen, you don't have to carry any of that a second longer. Cast all of your anxiety on him. You know why? Because he really cares about you. He cares, some of y'all need to hear this today. Some of you have wondered if anybody even cares that you're struggling and wrestling. And it may be true that human beings have not expressed the kind of care to you that they should. But it is true that the Lord sees it and knows it and cares deeply about the anxiety that you walked in here with this morning. Maybe the fear, the worry, the doubt, the trembling, the despair, whatever it is that you walked in, the heaviness. God cares about that. He he wants to take that from you. But there has to be an exchange. He's not gonna wrestle you to the ground today. But he's he's saying, if if you wanna give that away, I'll take it from you. If you you want me to take that from you, I will take that away from you and give you something else. All right, now verse eight is where we're gonna camp out today, okay? Look at verse eight. Be self-controlled and alert. You know that those two things are cousins. Self-controlled means not being, don't go off the deep end here. Take a deep breath, count to 10 before you post something. In fact, most of, most of the time, just don't post it. Like 90% don't post. Two sleeps in one, I'll call, I'll call it two prayers in one sleep. Pray twice and sleep once, then think about it again. Pray twice, sleep good, and I guarantee you your opinion will probably change the next day. And be sober-minded, be self-controlled. Some translations say sober-minded, which he is talking about substances here. Like if you're being medicating yourself with alcohol or too many drugs or whatever it is, if your brain has been altered, if you've been compromised, that's not the time to post. (laughs) Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion and he's looking for someone to devour. Now when I was a little kid, my pastor would preach on this message. I'd never seen a lion. I, except on the Tarzan movies or something, you know, you know, whatever, or some movie. He says, resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world, and listen, if there was ever a time where we know this to be true today, right now in Pakistan, 
right now in India, right now in Nigeria, Uganda, across the continent of Africa, right now in troubled spots in Central and South America. There are men and women who are gathered in holy huddles praying for their very survival this morning. They do not have free coffee waiting for them in the lobby. They had no donut holes waiting for them in the lobby this morning. And they're huddling and they're praying. I have been in those meetings. I've been in those meetings all over the world. And I look at those believers and I said, how long are you gonna be here today? They said, until we feel it's safe to go home. Sometimes those prayer meetings will last three and a half, four hours. I remember one time I was in outside of Nairobi in Kiambu in this little small church and I wasn't feeling great. I was traveled to Africa. I think I'd caught something over there. And the pastor says, I, I said to the pastor, I said, would you mind if I went into your prayer room and have them pray for me? He goes, well, how much time do you have? I said, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm an American, so it's like five minutes enough. He goes, Pastor Brady, if you go in that room, they're not gonna let you go until they have a breakthrough. He says, so what do you have planned today? I said, I have, I have a breakthrough planned. And I walked in there and man, those ladies, they were all ladies. And they laid hands on me and they spoke in their native Swahili tongue. And I don't know what all went on, but I had a breakthrough. But it was about an hour and a half later. And they said, that's pretty common, about an hour and a half. Now think about walking into a prayer meeting. This is what I'm saying. Peter knew this. He said, you know, your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, what a beautiful passage of scripture that we just read it gives us these charges. And Lord, I'm asking you today by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you make these scriptures come alive to us? Lord, they are continuously articulate. They're living and breathing sharper than any double-edged sword. So would you use them today to encourage us, to challenge us, and to change us in Jesus' name? If you're okay with any of that, would you say amen? amen. Now let me make a couple of points here about this passage of scripture. I grew up and I remember a lot of my pastors growing up would say, yeah, you know, there's a lion out there, but he doesn't have any teeth. I'm like, that's not exactly what Peter said. This is not a toothless lion. This lion described by Peter can devour us. And I can't think of a much worse death than being devoured by a lion. Those things are mean and they're tough. And he was saying, listen, we have an enemy. New Life Church, if no one's ever told you this, it is my pastoral responsibility to tell you something today that's, that's gonna sound like bad news, but it's not. You have an enemy that wants to harm you. We have an enemy who wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to take your kids from you. He wants to, he wants to trouble you. He wants you to be sick and, and he, wa he wants that for you. He does not wish you well. That's the bad news. Let me give you some good news. The good news is that we don't have to wrestle or fight this lion. We just have to resist it because the battle has been won. Christ victorious came out of the tomb. That, that fight for your soul has been fought and won. Can somebody say amen? amen? And that's why when we sing songs in this room and we talk about Jesus coming up out of the tomb, that's not because, of, hey, we like history, that's a fun historical fact. No, it's a reality for me today. 
The reason I'm gonna stand here and preach with my voice barely alive is because Christ is victorious in me today. The resurrection gives me power. I'm a man of the resurrection. The same spirit who raised Christ from the dead is in me today, is in you today. In a borrowed tomb, Jesus laid there alone and lifeless and the spirit came and up from the grave he rose again. That's what's available to me today. That's what's breathing in me today and for you today if you want it. That's why this morning about 5.45 when I woke up, I said, Lord, you know what I'm gonna ask. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me today, Holy Spirit. And we, I have an extra hour today, so I thought I'd just preach about an extra hour. Is that okay? I mean, we got it on the calendar. <laughs> so let's look at this passage of scripture today. And I wanna show you the groups of people who the lion feasts on today, all right? Because the lion is feasting. If you look around the world, this is not a skinny lion. The lion is feasting. And I believe as a church, we need to prepare ourselves so that we're not lunch. We need to be aware of the fight that we are in. You are in, listen, you are in a spiritual battle whether you recognize it or not. Let me say that, I, I, I don't know if you believe that or not. You're in a spiritual battle. All of us in the room. When you say yes to Jesus, you enter into an arena where there is combat. Now the outcome has been decided, but you will find yourself hand to hand, toe to toe sometimes fighting for your marriage, fighting for your kids, fighting for your health, fighting for your community sometimes. So who does the enemy feast upon? Well, first Peter just told us. In verse two he says, be shepherds of God's flock. That was the first thing he said, because lions feast on the unprotected. Lions feast on those who are unprotected. Look at Matthew verse 26, chapter 26. He says, Jesus told them, this, this very night you will fall away on account of me. For it is written, if I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Listen, it's very important, and I, I, I've known this since I was a little boy, and I'm so grateful that my mom especially, my dad later on, my dad did not become a believer until after I was out of the house. So I grew up really under the care, the spiritual care, of my mom, but one of the things my mom, sometimes with me kicking and screaming, my mom took me to church. I didn't miss church very often. Unless there was some cataclysmic family event or one of us was sick, we were in the house of the Lord on Sunday. Sometimes Sunday night and sometimes Wednesday night and any other time they had something going on. I was there. And I, I learned how safe it was. Now the churches I grew up in sometimes were messy and problematic and dysfunctional and messy and all those things, but I found safety around God's people. In New Life Church, I, I cannot be your personal pastor, I cannot be your personal shepherd, the church is too big, but I, I have worked extensively, I have worked exhaustively to make sure that not one person who walks in this building 
cannot be pastored. And I, I promise you, if you need pastoral help, if you need covering and care, we, are, we have spent a lot of time and efforts and systems and processes to make sure there's not one person in this room that's not prayed for and cared for and helped and somebody will come alongside you today. I'm talking about right now, before you leave this building, I can make sure that there's another human being that will call and check on you this week and pray over you this week. Listen, we are the smallest big church in America because we understand when people come to the church, we want you to be connected to shepherds all around you. You're sitting right now in a field full of shepherds. Some of the best people on the planet are sitting with about 20 feet from you. They love you, they would be honored to pray for you. They would be honored to connect with you. They'd be honored to come to your hospital room. They'd be honored to pray for your marriage. They'd be honored to have coffee with you if you'd ask them. This is the church of my dreams, is a church where people can come and find a holy connection, a holy relationship, someone who knows your name, someone who loves you, cares about you, because the lion feasts on the unprotected. Verse five, it says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility. The second group of people that the lions are feasting on is the proud. People who don't know how to ask for help or won't ask for help. And see, these two things run concurrent, right? Like, Pastor Brady, I don't, I don't want anybody helping me. Well, good luck with that. I need help. And the first, the first, listen, the first step to getting help is admitting you need help. I mean, I, I, even this week on Thursday or Friday, I said, Pastor Eddie, I hope you have a hot one because I might need help on Sunday. I'm not up here to prove a point. I'm not up here to preach through my sickness to prove a point. I know how to ask for help. If you remember back in January, February, and most of March, I sat on the front row because I had this chronic cough that I could not shake. Long, like long COVID or something happened to me. And that's humbling. It's humbling to sit on the front row knowing that that's my responsibility. I'm not, I'm not living up to my responsibility, but in, in the long run, it was really good for me. It was humbling for me, which is good for me. It makes me sit on the front row. It makes me take a step back. It makes me push other people up front. And Peter, who wrote this to us, <laughs> Peter was, he knew what pride cost him. Let me just show you one story. He says, now this is Jesus said to all of his disciples, they're about to arrest me and when they do, all of you are gonna scatter. You're all gonna abandon me. You're all gonna run for the hills. And Peter like, listen to this, verse, verse 33 of Matthew 26. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. These other cowards may run, but I'm not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Now that's exactly what happened. Jesus looked over at Peter as he was being arrested, about to be beaten. Peter's gone, takes off. And in John 13, when Jesus tries to wash Peter's feet, he says to him, you'll never wash my feet. There was such pride built up into Peter. So when Peter writes this and says, listen, God opposes the proud. Humble yourselves and find the grace of the Lord. Listen, New Life Church, 
Humility is not thinking of yourself less. It's thinking about yourself less. In other words, it's okay to be confident. It's okay to, to understand you're smart, you're capable. That's, that's fine. In fact, I, you need to know you're smart. You're capable, you're industrious. Just don't fixate, at, you're not the center of the universe though. None of us are the center of the universe. We all need help. We all need to learn to ask for help. And then he says in verse seven, cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Here's the next group of people the lion feast on the good things that we neglect. What are we neglecting right now? What are you not paying attention to? It says be self-controlled and alert. Let me ask you a question. How good is your marriage right now? How good is your health? How are your kids really doing? How good a friend are you? How are you doing? All of these are questions that People that are winning the fight against the enemy are asking these questions. Now, Pam and I have been married 34 years, so it's not a question I have to ask every day. I mean, that would be exhausting for Pam, but say, am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? Am I doing okay? Am I a good boy? Am I a good boy? Come on, tell me one more time, am I a good boy? Like a puppy, you know? That's why most husbands need a little pat on the head, right? But if I never ask, I just asked one of my close friends this week, I said, am I, am I being a good friend to you right now? I mean, this is somebody I really care about, longtime friend. He said, yeah, you are. You say, you call and check on me all the time. But if I don't ask, staying alert means asking those questions. Staying alert is most of the battle. Please write this down. Staying alert is most of the battle. Being aware of what's happening in our marriage, our children, our bodies, our finances, and our city is mostly what's needed right now. Asking those questions. In other words, waking up with our eyes wide open. You've heard me pray this prayer on the stage many, many times. I'll, I'll pray it again over us in just a moment, but I'll say, Father in heaven, give us eyes to see, give us ears to hear, Give us a heart to believe, a mind to understand. Why am I praying that prayer? Because it's being alert. It keeps me on alert. And if I'm alert, I can resist. You see, I, I know when something's troubling Abram and Callie because I'm asking them. Now they're 25 and 23 years old, they're adults. I had time with Abram last night. I said, tell me what's going on. I, I, I'm asking penetrating questions why? Not because I'm trying to be meddlesome and I'm not trying to be controlling. I'm not trying to be nosy. I'm trying to be alert. And there's a huge difference, right? How are you doing? How can I help you? How can I pray for you? Where is the enemy getting ground on you right now? How can I come alongside you in this moment of fighting, this moment of battle? Because look at verse nine, he says, Resist him, standing firm in the faith. All right, let me ask you, really, this is, I'm about to get really practical here, okay? How do we resist? So I'm, I'm, I've never preached this. And I felt, this is why I feel like there's a spiritual battle to, to preach this message, is I wrote down three things 
That it, and I, I begin to look back on 29 years of pastoral ministry that I've been in, and I'm in a constant fight. It, I, I understand the fight. I, I know there's a fight. I know what spiritual battle feels like. In fact, I get, I get troubled if I'm not in a spiritual battle from time to time. Because if you don't feel any fighting, any battle, you're not doing much for the Lord. But if you're gonna get in the game, and if you're gonna go after lost people, if you're gonna start helping single moms and build apartments and take ground, you're going to come up against resistance. All the military men and women in the room know it's safe back in the barracks, but when you get out on the battlefield, when you start taking ground is when some shrapnel starts flying, amen? That's when it gets real. Basic training is basic training, but when the, when the bullets are real, the bullets are real. So I wrote down three things that I have done every time I find myself in a fight, and it's gonna sound super simple, but I'm telling you this is the key to victory, what I'm about to give you. So when you find yourself in a fight, the Bible says resist him, standing firm in the faith. How do we resist? Number one, tell someone. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Most of us are losing fights because we're fighting solo. And you were not designed to fight solo. Jesus never sent his disciples out one by one. He sent them out two by two. Now why did he do that? Because you don't go out into a fight. Every, every battalion commander, every, every commanding officer in this room would tell you, I'm not gonna send people out by themselves. We go out in squads, we go out in platoons. Why? Because there is strength together. And I, I'm just asking you, if you're in a battle today, here, here's what surprises me. And I'm not barking at you today, okay? I'm not, I'm not clapping at you. I'm just telling you, when I, at the end of the service, when I say, hey, we have, a, we have a, some seasoned people here that love Jesus and can pray the paint off the wall, if you're here today, and you need prayer. We are here to pray for you. I'm shocked that there's not a line 20 deep for every one of those people. There should be a line, 20, there should be 20 people waiting for every person down here praying. Why? Because there is, you're walking out of here ill-equipped to fight your battle if you walk out of here without telling someone. Tell someone that you are in a fight. That's why we have hundreds of small groups here. Hundreds of them. That's why when I say, hey, we got a section party, that's not to go eat casserole. Section parties are for you to sit down and talk. Tell somebody and invite someone into your life. And then once you tell somebody, pray together. This is so simple to me, but listen, when I'm in the fight of my life and I've been in thousand dog fights, I, I know who to call. I know about, there's about six people, seven people. I immediately get on the phone or I go to them and say, hey, I'm gonna tell you something that's happening right now. And I, I, I just need to tell you. And invariably, 99% of the time before that phone call ends, that person said, let me pray for you right now. And they'll say in Jesus' name, Brady, I pray wisdom. Here's how, normally how the prayer goes. I pray wisdom over Brady. I pray that Brady would know what to do. I pray that you would cover him and encourage him and strengthen him. I pray that the Holy Spirit would well up inside of Brady right now. And I pray that he would know he's, a, he's going to win this. He's, going, he's not going to lose. I pray blessings and strength over him in Jesus' name. 
Now about six people praying that over me, I start realizing I'm not in this by myself. And I start feeling the strength of their prayers over me. I start seeing the manifestation of their prayers come out of me. So I tell someone, we pray together, and then this is again the third thing, then we check on each other. Hey Brady, how's it going? You know, a couple of days ago you called me, how are you doing right now? I said, thanks for calling, I'm still in it. Let me pray for you again. So we just start repeating the cycle until the fight's over. See, this is so powerful though, if every one of us in this room had someone we could call that we knew would pray for us and would check on us, the enemy can't win like that. The enemy, the enemy wins when we are in isolation, when we are apart, when we're by ourselves, when we're vulnerable, when we're alone. You know right now the, the, the biggest, number one concern that I see in our culture today is loneliness. I hear it all the time from 20-somethings, from 50-somethings, every generational person, everyone in this room has experienced loneliness probably in the last year, if you're honest. Nobody's calling to check on each other. I told someone the other day, I spend probably four to eight hours a week calling and checking on people. You know what I get back in return? About four to eight hours of people calling and checking on me. But if you're not calling and checking on someone, you're not gonna have people calling and checking on you. So the, let me give you the prescription for your loneliness. Call people. Talk to people. I know, I know I'm old school, okay, but conversations, not texting. Don't text me, call me. Leave a voicemail. Fill up my voice box. I like hearing your voice. I don't like, I, can't, I cannot determine what your thumbs are saying to me. I don't understand, but I, when I hear your voice and they say, hey, Pastor Brady, hey, Brady, how are you, man? I've been praying for you. That means so much more to me than a text. I know I'm old school, okay? All the people under 30, I just, just bear with me, okay? I'm just telling you, listen, we were built by God to hear each other's voices and to see each other's faces. That's God. Forget your algorithms. I know we are, we're technologically advanced. I appreciate all that. But what it's cost us is some of our humanity. And my screen is not human to me. That's not human. I need to hear a voice. I need to see a face. And listen, I know I'm from the South here, okay? I need a hug. And your text can't hug me. I need that. We all need those three things. We need to hear human voices. We need to see human faces. We need human contact. And listen, when I am getting those three things, when I'm hearing your voice, when I am seeing your face, that's why I made up my mind I was coming to church today, whether I had the flu or not, I'm going to stand in front of you. Why? I need to hear your voice. I need to see your face. I don't want to hug today. We'll do that next week, all right? No hugging. I don't want to get you sick. But here's the point. We're all in a fight, and we desperately need each other. I need you. You need me, we need each other, right? Let me read this to you and then we'll be done, okay? Verse 10 of 1 Peter 5, 
He says, if you will, if you will resist the devil, he said, let me tell you what's going to happen. He, he wraps it up so beautifully. He said, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He says, after you've suffered a little while. So again, Peter's not telling you that you're gonna get through this life as a perpetual Disney experience. He said, it's not gonna be Disney. It's not going to be puppies, rainbows, and butterflies all the time. He says, but after you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you? He will make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And listen to them, to him be the power forever and ever, amen. Would you stand this morning? Stand up with me this morning. Thank you for letting me uh, bark at you with my rusty voice. I'm, I'm gonna pray for you today. I'm gonna pray for you right now the way I want you to pray for each other during the week. So I just wanna be your pastor for a moment, pray a pastoral prayer over you. And those of you who serve at the Lord's table, come on down right now. Be ready to serve at the table of the Lord. We're gonna come to the table this morning. Can I just pray over you, with you, for you? And just pray as the Lord leads us. Father, we are so very grateful today for the gathering of the saints. Lord, the gathering of imperfect people in this room. All of us in this room are in need of reformation. We all need you. And we humble ourselves before you, O oh Lord. We humble ourselves before the goodness of the Lord. Father in heaven, you are good. And you know us and you care deeply about us. And I pray for those in the room who are in a fight right now. They know they're in a fight. The enemy, like a roaring lion, has come near their home. The enemy, like a roaring lion, has come near their marriage, their health, their bodies, their, their jobs, their finances, their children and grandchildren. Lord, the enemy, like a roaring lion, has come against Israel and into Gaza. We see that. We see evil being manifested. But Father, today we stand firm and we resist. In the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we stand our ground today. In the name and authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that we are people of the resurrection. That the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead is right here in this room, dwelling in us in front of us, behind us, above us, and below us. And I pray right now for courage to come into the room and fill every heart and soul. Strength, courage, faith. Even if, even if it's faith the size of a grain of mustard seed, I pray over it right now. I pray for those in the room who are sick, including myself. I just pray for healing in my body and the bodies in the room. Those watching online who may be stuck at home today because of their illness. I pray today healing right now, restoration, full strength. Everything that's been damaged, repaired. Everything that's out of order, put back to order. I pray for every broken relationship in the room today. I pray you'd heal and restore the broken relationships in the room. And I pray you would set the lonely into families. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. Set the lonely into families today. And I pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. 
We're gonna to come to the table of the Lord. The ushers are gonna give you instructions. The way we do it is just gonna walk out of your seat, come and take the cup and the bread, go back to your seat. We're gonna worship for a few minutes. And then, then Pastor Eddie's gonna come and lead you to the table of the Lord. If you're not able to walk down, just have someone around you bring you one back. And this is again, this is for those of us who believe in Jesus, Christ is King, Christ is Lord of our lives. This is our response to that. We come now to the table of the Lord, come.
I want to invite you to go ahead and grab hold of that wafer, that piece of bread in your hand. There was a sentence Pastor Brady just spoke that I want to make sure you didn't miss it. As we were talking about this lion who seeks to devour, he said, but the outcome's already been determined. That was determined by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross through the giving of his body and the shedding of his blood. And so this is what we remember today, that everything we do to resist, it doesn't end in our defeat no matter what, <laughs> because the end has already been determined and at the end of time, there will, that line will not be sitting on any throne. There will only be the line of Judah on his throne because he came, he came and he gave his life to save us. So today as part of our worship, we remember the body of Christ was given to us. And it was on the night that he was betrayed that he broke this bread. And he said, this is my body given for you. And so now we remember the body of Christ together. And after supper, he took a cup and he said, this is the blood of my new covenant, which is shed for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. We drink together. And after supper, they gave thanks by singing a hymn. So now that we've partaken of the bread, drank of the cup, let's join together in a song we sing. Clearly there is something God wanted to speak to many of us just so that we know that we're not alone and we're not meant to go through this alone. And so if you're new to new life and you've been here a few weeks maybe, but you kind of have a question of how can I experience what was just talked about today? Well, if you're new here, I would invite you to go to Connect Central. Right there you can meet with someone, you can talk about what you're going through in life and you can see all the different ways that you can get connected here at New Life Church. Also, we, uh, I would now invite the prayer team to go ahead and come forward. They're gonna stand here at the front of the stage. And as Pastor Brady said, if there's anything you're walking through and maybe people don't know, maybe pe some people know, but your church family doesn't know. That's what these people are here for. I would just encourage you, don't leave the room without sharing um, a moment in prayer with your brothers, with your sisters. 
And uh, so please give us that privilege here today to pray with you. I only have one announcement I wanted to share for all the women in the room. Uh, coming up here pretty soon, we have the Women's Prophetic Night. That's gonna be on November 15th. Doors are at six, service starts at 6.30. And uh, though I have not physically been in one of these events for obvious reasons, um, I actually watched online last time because I wanted to just kind of witness what it is. And I'm telling you, you want to be in that room. You want to be there to see what it is that God is doing. It's a time of worship. It's a time of prophetic ministry. Of course, it's free. All you have to do is you just have to register. So you can do that today right at the end of the service. Go out the doors. There's a table in the lobby. You can register and just decide and put it on your calendar and say, I will be there to experience what it is that God has for the women of our church on November 15th. I hope you can make that. But before we head out today, would you just open your hands? I want to uh, pray a blessing over you. So may you go today, brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ, may you walk out of this room today knowing that you're not alone, knowing that you were never meant to feel alone. And so I pray through the power of the Holy Spirit that you would sense more and more how you aren't alone. God has provided himself. He will give himself to guide you and you can walk in his spirit, but not just that, God has given you a church. And so I pray for supernatural encounters of the comfort of the Spirit through people. I pray for words of encouragement to come upon your life this week through people. And may this happen only in the way that God can do. And I pray this in his name, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray this. Amen and amen. So good worshiping with you. We'll see you next week.